Father, we just come, we just say, what a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that there's power in that name. God, just as we heard testimony of how faithful you are, and God, how good you are. God, I pray that you would remind each one of us, God, of your faithfulness in our lives, the places, God, where we overlooked, God, where you were faithful to us. We just declare who you are. We declare you're great and mighty. We declare the powerful name of Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. God, we pray that you be honored as you hear as your word is spoken to us this morning. God, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's going to be seen. Say with me, the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God are all we need and we need each desperately. Thank you, Jace, for sharing with us this morning so effectively. Thank you. Today we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 21. So in chapter 20 last week, we leave off um, David and he is clear. Saul is is out to kill him. All the cheers, uh, all the spear chucking, I guess, uh, didn't fully convince him of that. But now Jonathan knows. And so David is on the run. And we see in chapter 21 the, the decision of fear or faith. Fear or faith. We see this dilemma a lot in the Bible. We see it with Elijah. Elijah witnesses fire falling from heaven and all the Baal prophets being consumed, destroyed, it was an unbelievable victory. And the very next thing, we witness Elijah running for his life from Jezebel. It was faith and then fear. Fear and faith. Fear paralyzes us. Fear keeps people away from believing in Jesus for their salvation. The fear of the unknown, the fear of not having everything sorted out. Fear keeps believers from believing. Fear keeps believers from doing the things that God has called them to do. Because they, they're afraid. They're afraid of failure, perhaps. They're afraid of uncertainty. They're not quite sure how it's going to work out. And fear takes over. And fear causes believers to be disobedient to what the Father has called them to. And so we're always going to be challenged in the Christian life with fear or faith. What will we choose? 1 Samuel chapter 21. David went to the town of Nob to see Amalek the priest. Amalek trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone? he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter. He told me not to tell anyone why I was here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, 
the priest replied. But there is the holy bread which you can have in your if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. Now Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there, having been detained before the Lord. David asked Amalek, Do you have a spear or a sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. The priest replied, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me. So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers, officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. Isn't this David the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one the people honor with dances, singing? Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. David heard their comments and was very afraid. He was afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? We see here in chapter 21 what happens when a believer is overcome by fear. Once again, I wonder, where has the giant slayer gone? Where has this young man with fresh faith and great courage and great optimism, where in the world has that gone? Well, it's been replaced by fear. Now, Somewhere along the way, I, I, I think that this huge blind spot arose in David's life. And, and it happened somewhere immediately after the incidents with Goliath. He's in Saul's court. He's playing the harp. He's trying to ease the pain of, of uh, Saul with his harp playing. And of course, you know, there's attempts made by Saul on David's life. And dealing with that and dealing with the ordeal, perhaps dealing with the overwhelming, all of a sudden popularity that David had experienced, it had to have been a, a psychological problem. It had to have been a difficulty for him. I mean, he was all alone out in 
um, in the in the pastures, taking care of the sheep and goats. He he was he had that down. He had that world understood. He was he was uh, uh, had a lot of silence. He had a lot of time to think. He had a lot of time to to enjoy the open air. And now all of a sudden, he's in that fast-paced world of the king's court. And probably a combination of all those things begin to build in his life. And now he is controlled by fear rather than led by faith. And that's what happened to him. It happens to us from time to time, doesn't it? You probably can witness to that. You probably can testify that there was a time that you lived by faith. There was a time that you faced problems by faith, that you faced all the challenges by faith, and you believed in God, and you were faithful to follow Him, and you understood that He would do exactly what He would do. And, and then some things took place, and you found yourself no longer living by faith, but living by fear. And you began to run. You began to hide. You began to avoid people. You began to run from conflict. You began to run from obligation. You began to hide from what God had called you to do. Because fear replaced faith. So let's look and see here what we see in this story of David. First of all, in verses 1-6, through the result of fear in his life was inconsistent decision-making. Now, when we run, we are not real steady with decision-making. When we're running from people, when we're avoiding conflict, when we're trying to do our own thing, and we take matters in our own hands, in in that situation, our decision-making becomes flawed. I mean, it's crystal clear here with David. First of all, it's a good decision to go to the priest for advice. It's a good decision to go to the priest for prayer. It's a good decision to go to the priest to find out some answers for his dilemma that he's facing. However, he went to the right person, the priest, Amalek. However, immediately responding to Amalek, the priest's rightful concern that David is all alone, he answers with a lie. He answers out of fear. And so in his decision-making, it's very flawed, it's very subjective. He, he, he's, just, he's just responding, he's reactionary, and he, he just he goes to the priest, which is the right place to go, good decision. But in the conversation, the very first thing that happens in his conversation with a priest that may have some insight that can really help him, he lies about his situation. He says, he doesn't say, King Saul is out to kill me, and I'm on the run. That's what he should have said. That might have done wonders for him. That might have placed him in in a situation where God would work in an unbelievable and unexplainable way. David has no idea what this priest might do to protect David. Obviously, we already see in the Scripture, uh, or we'll see next week in the Scripture, this priest... He believes in David. He doesn't see any fault in David. He sees God's hand on David. But David couldn't trust God, and he lied. 
We often lie when we're running. Proverbs says that the fear of man is a trap. When we're afraid of people, we often lie. We often put things in a, a, a we all awesome describe things in a way that protects us, we think, and usually it doesn't. And that's what David is doing here. And he lies to her about his whole situation. Now he does need some food. And so he approaches her for food, and the priest gives him some food, and Jesus talks about that later in life. Do you remember when David and his men were hungry and they ate the bread of the presence of God? The bread that is for God? Remember that? But David is controlled by fear. Inconsistent decision-making. The next thing we see here is in verse 7. You may have heard the phrase from time to time, you just can't outrun God. You may think you can outrun God, but you can't outrun God. I, I, one of the shows that Susan and I like to watch is Hawaii Five-O, and it's always about a bank heist or someone stealing something or robbing something and getting away. And I always laugh and I say, Hawaii is not the right place to rob a bank. <laughs> I mean, where are you going? You know, I mean, you gotta, you, you, it's a bad deal to rob a bank, especially when Hawaii Five O's coming after you, you know? It's a bad thing. Where are you going? Where are they, where are they running to? I mean, even if they flee Honolulu and they get out there in the wilderness, there's not a lot of places to hide. There's some jungle there and stuff, but I mean, you can drive across, uh, Oahu in about 30 minutes. It's not very big. And they can't swim with all that money across that water. I mean, they don't have a submarine waiting for them out there in the water. You know, maybe sometimes they've had a helicopter, they had a boat, but you can't, don't, if you go to Hawaii, don't rob a bank. You just can't get away. You can't outrun the law. Well, it's, it's important for us to understand that we can't outrun God. Interesting, verse 7, Doeg the Edomite, not a Jew. He was the chief herdsman of Saul. And the scripture says, he's detained before the Lord there in Nob. The writers, commentator, commentary writers say, they're not quite sure what that actually is referring to, that he's detained by the Lord in Nob. Well, in chapter 22, we see how this unfolds. But there's a man in Nob that's absolutely faithful to Saul, and he sees David. David didn't escape. David is running away, but he can't outrun God. Can't outrun him. Jonah couldn't outrun God. He tried to outrun God by getting on a boat. He couldn't outrun him. Couldn't outrun him. Elijah ran from his, he ran from Jezebel. He couldn't hide. He was found out. He had to come to terms with his fear. Oftentimes we run from God. We run from discipline. 
We run from conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our unfaithfulness. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our disobedience. And we run from God. We hide from God. We hide from God's people, just like Adam and Eve did after they had sinned. We, we hide from accountability. We don't want anybody knowing our business. Be careful if you're a person that doesn't want anybody knowing your business because there's a very good possibility that tied to that is the fact that you are hiding and you're running. You can't outrun God. Because in your life, in my life, there's always Doeg the Edomite that sees. There's something else here in the Scripture that shows us about when we're running. Verses 8 and 9. David asked Amalek, Do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. A lot of people use verse 8 inappropriately. Uh, it's not good interpretation to say that the king's business is always haste and we always must be about God's business. And there must be an urgency about God's business. Well, if you look at God's business, God's business is often patient. God's business is always planting and waiting for the harvest. God's business is often waiting for the Lord to do what God does. God's business is often people praying and praying and enduring in prayer. Look at all the times in the New Testament that Paul taught that, that Peter taught that, the perseverance of faith. And Jesus himself says, when it comes to prayer, you must keep on asking. You must keep on seeking and you must keep on knocking. Jesus is telling us right there, God's business is not about haste. It's about our faithfulness. It's about our persevering. It's about our waiting on God to do what he wants to do. And so another lie here, David shares about wanting a sword. He says, you know, I left so urgently to do God's business, to do the king's work, that I didn't bring a sword with me. There's no way a military man, a warrior like David, who is on a mission of his king, is going to forget his weapon. Can you imagine the Marines going to battle and they look around and say, did anybody bring the machine gun? No, it's, it's back at the base. It's not going to happen, is it? That's not going to take place. I mean, they don't send the jets up in the air, and once they get up in the air, the pilot goes, you know, I pushed the button for those machine gun bullets, and there was nothing in the, in the gun. Well, that's not going to happen. Here David is before the priest saying, I left so quickly I, couldn't, I didn't have time to even get a sword. And of course, Amalek says, I only got one sword here, and interesting enough, it's the sword of Goliath that you killed out there in the valley of Elah. It's over here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. The ephod is the, the priest's uh, vest that he would wear, sleeveless vest that would have the umen and thumen and all the things going on there. And so he's got that in back of the presence of bread table, and it's covered up in a cloth. It's a prize. 
It's a reminder. They kept it to remind the people of God's deliverance from Goliath. So guess what's going to happen? David is going to be constantly reminded every single hour of every single day that he's running from God because he's going to carry around with him Goliath's sword. You can't run away from God's work, from God's conviction, from God's reminders. David says in Psalm 32 that when he had sinned against God, his sin was always before him. He just couldn't get away from it. Have you found that to be true in your own life? When you have sinned against God, you can't run away from your sin. The Holy Spirit is always reminding you that you have sinned. A constant reminder. God always sends a constant reminder. And when we run from God, there is always a constant reminder right before us. And here we have David willingly, unknowingly, picking up his reminder, the sword of Goliath. We also see here, immediately after he gets the sword, it says in verse 10, so David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about him being there. Isn't this David the king of the land, they ask? Isn't he the one the people honor and, and with dances, singing, Saul has killed his thousands, David has tens of thousands? So he goes to his enemy's headquarters. This is the headquarters of the Philistines. King Achish is the Philistine king. Goth is the home of Goliath. He compromised. For a Jew to go to the Gentile world here is compromise. He went to the Gentile world. He went to his enemy's stronghold to, to escape from Saul. He compromised. When we're running from God, when we're running from conviction, when we're running from responsibility, we often compromise. We got to rationalize things. We've got to explain that our decision making is justified because after all, we can't admit we're wrong. People don't admit they're wrong. People rarely admit when they're running that, that they are completely uh, wrong in their decision making, in the condition of their heart, in their life. And here we have David wrong, lying, Avoiding, running, not believing, being led by fear and not by faith. And he compromises. He compromises by going for refuge in the land of the enemy. And wow, look what happened there. David's afraid. He's afraid of what the king might do to him. So he pretended to be insane. Scratching on doors and drooling down his beard, 
total humiliation. Where did the giant killer go? Well, because the giant killer is now led by fear and not by faith, he's an insane man scratching on doors and, and acting like a rabid dog with saliva running down his beard. And he was good at it. He was a good actor. He won an Academy Award for this. I mean, the king says, now, come on, guys, what in the world? Don't I have enough crazy people around here? I'm surrounded by nothing but crazy folks. We don't need him around us. He's too crazy. Can you imagine being at the bottom of the barrel so quickly as King David? I wonder in looking through these chapters and trying to learn from King David, what if he would have faced Saul? It was God's plan that he was going to be king. David had already witnessed the hand of the Lord on him when he believed he defeated Goliath. What an unbelievable thing that was. I mean, I can't imagine in a showdown between him and Saul, Goliath being a less opponent than Saul. Now, Saul is a crazy man, and Saul has lots of weapons with his men and his army and all those kind of things, but God has already done so much in the life of David, but David absolutely missed it. He was blind to it. A huge blind spot that caused him to live by fear and not by faith. When you are controlled by fear, believer, I promise you, it's because there's something that you just don't see taking place. There's something there that you just don't understand. Last week, I had a, a crazy experience happen. It just may, may not mean much to you, but it did to me. It was Sunday morning. We were sitting out there, and I was speaking with a fellow out there, and I got to notice in his glasses, and I said, man, your glasses are just like mine. And, and I, I've had these glasses now for three or four years. I've had to get the lens changed for a little stronger dose, but uh, these are my glasses. Now, I've been frustrated with these glasses. When I ride my bike at night, I wear these glasses, and they fall down on me. The wind catches them, and they move. And, and I mean, I'm going, man, next time I have to get a new pair of glasses, I'm going to get a pair of glasses that will stay on my head. And, and I'm going to, maybe I'll go in there and say, hey, let me take those frames and I'm going to go around the block on my bike and if they work, I'll come back and, and buy them from you. But he said to me, he says, yeah, I do like these glasses. And he said, man, they're really cool because you can bend these ends and they stay on your head. And I said, what? <laughs> he, can say, he said, oh, yeah. He said, I like them because, see, and he, he says, see how I bend them? And I went, and they're straight. I never touched them because I didn't know that, never thought about that. I was blind to that. And I took them, and I went, oh. Oh. How nice that is. Isn't that amazing that I'm so ignorant that I have lived with these 24-7 for four years, griping and complaining that they won't stay on my head. 
I, I, I said, you know, I do have grease that comes out of my body. That I can't wear Garth Brooks thing much because it grease falls out and all those things and, and it slips. But then I, I, these glasses, I said, man, they're keep on. I got to keep on pushing them up. I got to move them when I'm riding the bike to move. And he said, oh, I love these glasses because you can just bend the ends and man, they just hug to your face and it's beautiful. All that time, I was blind. A few years ago, many years ago now, our ice maker broke. Our ice maker broke. I didn't go and get it fixed because I thought that you'd have to get a new refrigerator. Now, I know you're thinking, you are really ignorant about some things, obviously. And so we were, we would make ice trays and we would go to the store and get the ice and we did that for two or three years. And I'd always say, man, I hope that, that refrigerator would go out so I can go get an ice maker. I want a refrigerator with an ice maker. I'm going to get me one with ice comes out of that door. I like that. I'd go to people's house and I'd see they get ice out of that door. And I went, one day we're going to have ice that comes out of a door. And I don't even remember where I was, but I was talking with a fellow. And I said, where are, you, where are you going? He said, I got to go get another ice maker for my refrigerator. What? 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 Tell me, about, what do you mean? You, you, I thought you had to wait for your refrigerator to die. He goes, oh, no, man. He said, just go, go to appliance store, depot or somewhere, and just go up there and order the ice maker that fits your refrigerator and just put it in. You've got to be kidding me. Isn't it amazing how we can have blind spots like that in life? Are you, are you willing to admit that you've had some of that? And with God, when we are led by fear, it's because we got some kind of blind spot that keeps us from knowing what we need to know, from seeing what we need to see, from believing what we need to believe. Fear or faith? Where are you with that? Help us, God, to understand from the story of David this morning. I pray your spirit will just speak to our heart. Help us to know whether or not we're controlled by fear or we're living by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.